praise you, Father. I don't know about you, that strengthens me. Does that strengthen anybody else? And the best part is, you don't have to wait. Well, you can go back home and do this again if you want. Amen. <laughs> I mean, just because it's church doesn't mean it has to stay in this building, right? Uh, the Lord put it to me this way, you know, if you're trying to, uh, he uses all these analogies with me. You know, Jesus used parables, right? Parables are a natural illustration to demonstrate a spiritual principle, something to help us understand. And the Holy Spirit told me, he says, you know, if you were trying to get in shape or if you're trying to, uh, you know, if you're trying to maybe make the Olympic team, let's take it to an extreme. All right. If you're wanting to do that and uh, you go to the gym once a week, are you going to see benefit? Yes, you are. You're going to be benefited by it. But if you want to make the Olympic team, how many of you think you need to just go once a week? <laughs> no. I, you know, just getting in shape in general once a week isn't going to cut it. There is a a uh, continuous time that you can spend and and worship to me or how do I put that no church to me church to me is like a pep rally okay we're not here to be your sustainer the Holy Ghost is your sustainer if all you receive from your personal relationship with God is on Sunday morning that's not enough it's not enough it's something it's better than nothing. Better to go to church and be encouraged than to not go to church at all and not, you know. Better, better to go to church and be encouraged once a week. But I would say, you can go home and you can spend time in worship and be strengthened in your spirit, be strengthened in your heart, be strengthened in your mind. And see, we all want to have testimonies. Everybody been enjoying, we've been talking about David. Everybody wants to have those kind of testimonies, those kind of victories, right? We enjoy the story. But he was worshiping way before he ever had that testimony. He was exercising his faith way before he ever got to that giant on a stage between nations. He was slaying lions and he was slaying bears when nobody was watching. And he was worshiping and praising God with just himself. And what was on the inside of his heart was exposed to the rest of the world when the time came. See? And see, God, the man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And what's on the inside is far more precious, far more valuable, far more important than the temporary circumstances that you think define your life. You know? doesn't matter if you're working at McDonald's driving a rust bucket. <laughs> you can have a relationship with God where he'll exalt you to the forefront like that. It doesn't matter who you know. It's not about developing connections. It's not about budding up with the best of the best. It's not about what politician what pastor? I mean, whatever you're endeavoring to do, 
If God has called you, guess what? God will take care of it. <laughs> what makes you think you're going to make your call work if he's not actually putting you there? <clears throat> One of the worst things you can do for your calling is try. And I mean that in a very specific way. <laughs> because it's not your job to try and make your calling come to pass. It is your job to let God work with you. If, you if, if the body of Christ would not be so insecure, they would be more called people. There would be more, because oh, let me put it a different way. Every single person in this room right now has a calling. Right now. It is sitting there waiting for you to occupy it. Uh, it's a seed on the inside of your heart. Whether it's grown up to this or whether it's grown up to this or whether it's bearing fruit. Jesus said some 30, some 60, some 100, right? Does God predestine certain people to have 100 fold or 60 fold, 30 fold? Maybe he predestines some people never to do anything at all. No. Every single person has been given a calling. Every single person in this room is part of the body as a whole. And that calling grows up, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. spirit. See, because, <clears throat> all right, uh, I'm going to do it this way. I was a business major, and um, I've always en enjoyed working with numbers, math. I've always enjoyed, uh, you know, when I was little, I took classes on investment, and, and you guys have heard me talk about this before. And um, there were times along the way in my walk with God. And see, this, okay, do you know you can, you can have more than one aspect to your calling? All right, so you know the fivefold. There's teachers, there's apostles, there's prophets, there's evangelists, there's pastors, okay? But then there's also helps and government's giftings. And those, those things encompass a whole world of occupations. They encompass people. There's people specifically called in the body of Christ for entrepreneurship. There's people specifically called in the body of Christ for organization, for, for government gifting for being able to plan and being able to, to do all of those things. But all of those things are by the Spirit of God, right? They're not, and this is the challenge that happens when we get born again. When we get born again, a lot of times the church at large, which they preach us, what they try and tell us to do. So you, you're, you were in the world, and let's just say you were a businessman in the world. Well, now you're born again. So now you're born again, you get baptized, you go from death to life, you're in the church, now you're supposed to be a businessman for Christ. Well, who told you? Who said you're supposed to be a businessman? Who gives you your gifting and your calling? It's God, right? Well, let's, let's, let's just be sure so that nobody thinks I'm leading them astray. <laughs> All right, let's go to Ephesians. Chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll start in verse 1. 
I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy, everybody say worthy, worthy. of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness, meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all and in you all. But ev unto every one of us is given, everybody say given, grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same that also ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave, everybody say he gave. He gave. Some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, until the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now in another place, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, he says he divides the gifts severally as he wills. And see, what happens a lot of times when we get born again, we take this step into the new birth, but we're taught to operate as we always have, but we just do it now for God. Whatever you used to be in the world, now that's what you are. You're just doing it for God. That's not necessarily true. It's not. If you have a calling to business, maybe one of the first things that God's going to ask you to do is to put it down. Maybe one of the first things God is going to ask you to do is to set it on the side and say, why don't you learn to trust me for your provision? Because you've spent a lifetime trusting in your own ability. Your own ability is not what's going to slay the giants. It's his ability that's going to slay the giants. See, and we're caught up in our own ability to produce results. Maybe you're called to be a worship leader. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have a relationship with God, you are not co-laboring with the Holy Ghost. You are not accomplishing ministry. I, I had a pastor say it this way once, once, and I've never forgot it. There is no such thing as ministry without the Holy Ghost getting loosed. You cannot minister the gospel without the Holy Spirit. That means if you're not co-laboring together with him, if he's not working through you, if, if it's 100% you, then even though it may be good, it's not God. Even though it might be talented, it's not his presence. Even though you might have ability, it's not his ability. See, And what we're called to do is not to try and accomplish in our own effort what, what he wants to do, but learn how to submit to his effort. And I have known, I've had a desire in my heart to do things with business for years and at times I would try and step out in my own mind right here everybody tap their head all right everybody has their own good ideas right all right and I would try and step out and the Holy Ghost it was like he put a lasso around me 
like this. And I, the more I would try and run towards what I wanted to do, let me use my talent, he'd say, no. Now, can you disobey? Oh, yeah, you can disobey. Go run off and disobey. See how it goes. And see the challenge? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Maybe you disobey. The worst thing you could do is get success. That's the worst thing that could happen to you. Because you go off and establish your own work and you have some measure of success. And then you've established a pattern. Everybody say a pattern. You've established a pattern in your life, a precedent in your life, that your own ability is enough to accomplish God's will. And you're stuck. And you can run that way, God forbid, for 10, 20, 30 years. Maybe at some point in your life, by God's grace, you come to the end of yourself and you hit something you can't handle. And you're going to have to turn around and you're going to have to retrace your steps and walk all the way back to that point where he tried to tell you no. And you're going to have to submit again those however many efforts, whether it's 10, 20 years, built in your own strength and say, that is filthy rags. My own ability, my own way my own thinking because you know we we like to put god you know we always pray we get our will and then we ask god to bless it god please bless what this effort i'm trying to we've got this we're trying to do we've got this we're trying to do we're trying to raise money for this let's make sure first where we're going right let's make sure first what we're doing let's make sure first what our calling is would be better to sit for five years and just get to know him than to get in his presence for half an hour, get excited, and run off to Timbuktu. You're just going to have to come back and get to know him anyway. This is, this is not anything I <laughs> Praise God. Thank you. Praise God. I appreciate the feedback. I don't often give it myself when I'm, <laughs> when I'm listening to a message. I get excited inside and I just sit there and I look at people. <laughs> but I appreciate feedback. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a new way that we're called to walk as Christians. And it's not in our own ability. And we've been looking at David. Everybody have been appreciating that. And Goliath was one of those, what did he trust? We're not going to read it. Goliath trusted in his own strength right? He was, he was a man of war from his youth. We went over the weight of all that armor. We only have weight for two of the items, okay? The, the spearhead was 17 pounds. That's what, that's what we estimate, 17 pounds. Just the spearhead. Typical spearheads at that time weighed about a pound, all right? The, the chain mail, the chain mail that was on him weighed anywhere from 150 to 170 pounds. Okay, so you... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little revealing. You put those things, those two things together there, and that's what I weigh. <laughs> All right? Those two things together, you're about at 190 pounds. Those two things. We do not know what his greaves weigh. We don't know what the target of brass on his shoulders weighed. We don't know what his shield weighed. We don't know any of the other things. We know that the beam of his spear was like a weaver's beam. So this bottle right here, if you had a six and a half foot beam this wide, that's how big his spear was. 
I challenge you to go throw something 20 pounds and see how far it goes. And all of this strength and all of this might was set up on that hilltop and he was yelling and throwing swears and curses at the God of Israel. And that is exactly what the enemy does in each and every one of our lives. And he doesn't just do it in yours and my life. He does it in this country. He does it in this world. He stands on hilltops and he says, hath God said. He'll stand in places of power with a microphone. He'll stand in places of authority in, in government seats. He'll stand in judges' thrones and, and all these different places where he'll say, he'll say, hath God said, I say he hasn't. I rule in favor of the flesh. I rule in favor of sin. And this is what the devil does. And do you know it is our job as the church to be able to stand up toe to toe and say, I recognize that you think you have authority, but God does not save with sword and spear. He saves by his spirit. And it's by his ability you're coming down. And he needs people like you and me to get in and work out every day, <laughs> spend time in his presence, spend time in worship, spend time confessing those things that he has put in our heart and fill our heart with hope and strength and a mindset that we can take on the enemy and win. It's not come to church, be encouraged and go back home. That's not gonna kill a giant. You need to be sitting in his presence throughout your day. Do you know that's possible? Do you believe that's possible? That you can sit in his presence throughout your day? <clears throat> it used to be not too long ago. I, I would say for me personally, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk more experience, okay? Because the word of God isn't just theory, it applies to life. And if you apply it to your life, you'll change. That's the bottom line. If you apply it to your life, you will change, not God, all right? And it's probably been two years now, I would say, maybe a year and a half max. Uh -uh. It used to be that when I came home, I'd sit down and the only thing in my soul I wanted to do was turn on the TV. <laughs> and do I still do that? Yeah, I still do that sometimes, okay. But I've recognized the shift in my own life where it was almost like my soul felt a reprieve. My soul felt sustained by the show I was watching. Everybody know the feeling. Like you're, it's almost like whatever you're watching is refreshing you. And that's the way it felt. I didn't realize it because I'd always had it. <laughs> How do you know what you want until you're given something else? And so I've always... And, and, but within the last year and a half, I'll sit down, we'll sit down and I, I'm, we're completely, am I right? We're just completely disinterested. If we watch something, we could just as easily turn it off. It's not like I gotta have it. Now, your soul is made to transform itself to whatever you give it to the most. Whatever you wrap it up in is what you'll train in. All right, whatever you hang around is what's going to happen. If you hang around people that like a certain sports team or you hang around people that like sports, period, it's gonna happen. You're gonna, you're gonna get on the bandwagon, all right? Yeah. If you hang around people 
that like to hang out later at night, guess what? If you want to be part of their lives, you're going to hang, you're going to stay up later at night. And, and how you train your soul, your soul is your own job to train. It's nobody else's. And you can lead it to chance, or you can leave it to chance, <laughs> lead it to chance, whichever one. You can leave it up to chance, but it's your choice. It's your choice what you put your soul in. It's, uh, okay. Uh, I, this is not a political message, okay? Hands off. I, I, don't, I don't care about offending politics anyway, but I'm not talking about that. It's no surprise that you send youth to secular universities. You send them to places of learning of godlessness. You send them to places of learning where sin is just the door away. You send them to places of learning where shacking up is the norm, where drugs and alcohol are the norm where beliefs of humanism and, and, and sin are the norm and it's okay. You send your kids to a culture like that, it is no surprise they spit them out the same way they are. Why would you expect them to be different? Or can you go to a university like that and hold your ground? Yes. Is it harder? Yes. Yes, it is. Because your soul will transform to whatever you subject it to. And if you, if you put your soul in the truth, if you put your soul and you baptize it in the word of God, it's going to transform to the word of God. It's going to transform to what you think about. It's going to transform to what you believe, what you see, what you subject yourself to. <clears throat> I always use this example. James talks about sin being conceived. Everybody say conceived. See, conception is the beginning, it's not the end, right? Conception is a process. So if sin is conceived, it means it starts with being planted, but the fruit of it is grown, okay? The process takes time. So, see, nobody just wakes up and thinks, well, I think I'm going to start a lifelong pattern of sin and destruction in my life. <laughs> That's not how that goes. Nobody, nobody decides to do that. I got a question for you. Let's, let's take somebody extreme, Hitler. Do you think, as an eight, nine, ten-year-old boy, that his dreams were to grow up and commit mass genocide? I don't think so. How do people get like that? How do people grow into stuff like that? the same way they grow out of it. We don't like to think about it this way, but <clears throat> the sin nature that's on the inside of every unborn again person. If you're born again, you don't, you don't have a sin nature. If you're born again, you have a nature that comes from Christ. That's your nature. You are born again, you are made. Everybody say made. made. Righteousness and true holiness. And now sometimes people will hear that and they think, well, if I don't have a sin nature, how come I can still sin? Because God left your free will intact <laughs> and you still have choice. Everybody say choice. Yeah. <clears throat> but you, if you have been baptized into Christ, you have his life, you have his nature. 
and you can choose. Well, if you want some good messages on that, you can listen to Nathan Barbel, Transformation Weekend, okay? They're all on YouTube. They're all on the website. We're not going to go down that path today. <clears throat> but your soul is so unique that it will transform itself to whatever it's subjected to. We live in a culture here where it's fast food, all right? I'm just going to pick on this as an example, okay? So in America, burgers are natural, right? We, we love burgers. I, was <laughs> I wanted to kind of stretch my kids' minds because uh, and, and, Marshall, he hates green beans, right? We live in Iowa. He doesn't like green beans. You know? And he's, you'll give him a tiny little green bean like this, and he's just all he can do. I cut it up into fragments about a fingernail size, you know. Put it in your mouth, and by that time, his mind has made it such a big mountain. He's just like, get some water. I don't want to clean up your throw-up. If you throw it up, I'm still going to make you eat a green bean. I don't care. I've come to terms with the cost of making him eat. We're still going to have a green bean. Because he's going to beat... He is going to beat that bug in his mind that says, I can't have a green bean. <laughs> I'm going to make sure he does. I'm a good dad. <laughs> I'm not going to leave him like that. God's the same way. Amen? God, God loves you too much to leave you like you are. That's not the message that's popular, but that's the message that's true. God loves you too much to leave you like you are. You say, come as you are. Well, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. <laughs> That's not condemnation. If you, <laughs> you want to promote sin and destruction in people's life, well, just let them be as they are. <clears throat> so anyway, I wanted to challenge my kids. And I, I, I love watching BBC nature documentaries. And, and uh, there's this one called Human Planet that shows all these different cultures. And so I showed them. I showed them this culture of these kids. They live in, uh, it's in South America. I want to say it's Venezuela. I don't know if I'm going to get it right. Was it Venezuela? What they do in the jungle, food is more scarce than you'd think because it's all in the trees and they can't get it. So they have to hunt for it on the ground. So the only thing on the ground, uh, well, worms, yes, but tarantulas as big as your face. <laughs> and so these kids, they're five, six years old, just like Marshall. Marshall's age. I said, now that kid's your age. And so what they'll do, they'll go running around the jungle. They're looking for certain signs and they scrape off the leaves and they're, oh, this is a good one right here. This, so they start to poke the hole and out of this hole comes this giant tarantula, you know, the kind that eats the birds, you know, those kind of tarantulas. And they, they get a stick and press it down so the fangs can't get them, grab all their legs, make sure they avoid the poisonous hairs and all that. They get them like that, and they say, oh, these are great. When you roast them over the fire, they're just like marshmallows. And my, my boys, you should have seen their faces. They just took a couple steps back, and I says, how about them green beans? <laughs> I'm going to win that fight, you know. <laughs> now, to those kids... This is, what's so, this is what's so unique about the soul. Is that to them, it's completely natural. It's like your hamburger. Who's going to object? It's culture. That's the way the soul is. It's not right nor wrong necessarily. Not that. It's a spider. 
But they clean their heroes off it and they just think it's the greatest thing ever. And that's culture. That's their soul. They have transformed. Everybody say transform. <laughs> they have transformed their taste, their appetites, their diet to that kind of thinking. Well, you can't. Let's put it in a different arena. Uh, arena. <laughs> let's put it in a different arena. Okay. Your diet can be transformed by your beliefs and by your culture. What about your thinking? Say, what about the diet that you're taking in with the books you read? Well, I'm a, I'm a reader. Well, what are you reading? And what about the diet of the this, this stuff you're watching on TV? How uh, anesthetized are you to sin? <clears throat> there are, I don't care that, I, I mean, we really don't have a lot of friends our age, my wife and I. And the, the vast majority of the reason is, is because they're not like us. <laughs> and I don't care. So you're just going to have to stand alone if you want. And if, if you want, you know, we do have some, okay, but there's not that many. Some of our best friends our personal age live in Tulsa. And, and we get to go visit them and they visit us and we keep in contact. But I can't find very many people our age in this area that I can afford to spend time with. It's not worth it. And, and um, I still get in, in touch with some of... Uh, some friends in the past and things that, you know, I was close to them at one time. And we get together for a while, it's like water and oil. It's like, what do we got to talk about? We talk about the weather. What have you been doing? What have I? But you, the bottom line is they've grown one way and I've grown another. And they've grown into the world and they've grown into their own way and they've grown into what's acceptable and what's not and they think it's okay and I'm just, I can't. How can two walk together unless they be agreed that goes with personal relationships that goes with romantic relationships that goes with friends that goes with what you're listening to what you're watching see in this nobody grows nobody starts out wakes up in the morning thinking i'm going to be i'm just going to take my life on a, a careen course into sin and destruction but people do it every day how come because they give their mind and their emotions over time, they sow things that reap a harvest of sin and destruction. And it starts in things like pictures, movies. <clears throat> um, social media is not a safe place. Uh, it's, it is a complete seedbed for sin. And, I try and I'll try and get on it. And I'll try and look at things. Or if you search for things, especially as a guy, there's so many things... They're like hooks with a bait, trying to, trying to fish for your flesh. Let's see if he'll catch, let's see if we can catch him on this. And it's hoping you'll stop and look. It's hoping you'll stop and meditate on it. I have news for you. Well, the moment you stop and look at that stuff and you meditate on it, your flesh may agree with it, but the end of it is going to be destruction. The end of it is going to be a life of destruction. Nobody wakes up thinking, the, the day you get married, you're just all hope and dreams and rainbows and sunshine, you know? How come something changes? I mean, we've counseled couples where the, the, the father ends up trying to destroy his own family while he's in pornography, sin, he's in adultery, and he thinks he's in the right. And how do you get like that? 
It starts with a seed that you're not, and it starts with a thought. And it starts with something in the soul that you let grow up. And you say, well, I can go see that movie, Fifty Shades of whatever. <laughs> I can handle it. Can you? How many times can you handle it before it starts to change how you think? Well, we can go see that. It's, it's rated R. There's some sex scenes in it. How many sex scenes do you need before you start to think like that? I'd rather not have to start at all. You say, well, I'm a Christian. Well, I hope you can stay a Christian because you're heading down the wrong road. You're heading the wrong way. So that doesn't sound like grace. Yeah, grace came to save you and set you free from sin, not to set you free to sin. The grace empowers you to walk free. What kind of feigned gospel would say you're free from sin, but then you can go sin? That's a lie. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that you're free to walk in freedom. You're not free so you can walk in the bondage again. You're like the, the proverbial cow or sow or pig that goes back and wallows in the mire. You're like the dog that returns to his vomit. And Peter and Paul and all of them said, they said, you've crucified Christ afresh, afresh <laughs> with your flesh. <laughs> you've crucified Christ afresh. What do you, you think he's gonna come back and die for you again? Because your soul, you have to steward it. You have to train it. You have to set it in a direction. And the direction you need to set it in is the, is the will and, the, and the, uh, the knowledge of God. Amen. Let's go to um, Proverbs. Everybody flip to Proverbs. <clears throat> Chapter 4. Proverbs, uh, especially the first 10 chapters, okay? Read all of Proverbs, but what I love to do, especially, is the first nine, I think it's the first nine chapters, it ends on the 10th chapter, there's this picture. And I'll take the first nine chapters of Proverbs and I'll just listen to it. On, you know, you put it in your ears, or you, and maybe I'll drive into town and I'll be listening to it over the car, or I'll be, uh, and you, you, know, you can listen to it and not have to read. All right. But I'll listen to it. In these first nine chapters of Proverbs, there is a picture. Now, it talks about avoiding, uh, you know, <laughs> talks about avoiding the strange woman. And on the surface, it sounds like you're trying to avoid adultery. It's, you're trying to be faithful to your wife. But, but really, the picture in Proverbs, there is two women in Proverbs. There's the woman of wisdom which is the personification of the wisdom in the way of God, following God. This, this one woman of wisdom is the woman that you're supposed to desire. The other woman is the strange woman, the, the one you can't know her ways. It's always relative. It can be anything you want it to be. It's shifty, all right? And this is the, the woman you're supposed to avoid, the strange woman. <clears throat> I'm gonna do some reading here. We'll start in verse, 
Oh, it's hard not to read the whole thing. (laughs) We'll start in verse 5. Get wisdom. Proverbs 4, verse 5. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. In other words, don't stop speaking it. Don't let it leave your tongue. Or don't let it ever leave your mouth. Does that make sense? Continue in it. All right. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve. Everybody say preserve. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. Everybody say many. See, it it always amazes me how the world will burn through its stars. They'll exalt somebody in the world, some kind of musician, some kind of actor, somebody that everybody loves. They just think it's the best thing ever. And then they go out in a blaze of glory with with suicide. They they go out because of an overdose of drugs. And then they're, they're promoting that guy. I'm thinking, this is... This is what you want us to do. You're preaching the gospel of suicide. When you put these people on a pedestal and you say, look like this. See, you're gonna, you're gonna get the opposite if you follow the wisdom. The years of your life is gonna be many. Everybody say many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not. Everybody say not. Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not into the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it. Can he say it any other way? (laughs) He's saying it as, do not even look at it. Don't go near it. Don't ponder it, all right? Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn away from it. Pass away. For they sleep not except they have done mischief and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more under the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear into my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Everybody? Not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all what? Diligence. Diligence. That's your job. To keep your heart with diligence. That's your job. For out of it are the issues of life. Now, that word issues there... It sounds like, you know, all of the issues you face, okay? That's not wrong, but the picture is not just all the issues you're going to have. The issue is, it's, the picture of that is it's like a river flowing out of you. It is the river that flows out of you. It's issuing forth a stream, okay? So there is a, you have a heart on the inside of you 
that it directs. It's like your compass. It's how you operate. It's the habits. It's what you believe. It's how you act. When a situation comes in front of you, what is issuing out of your heart determines how God is working with you in that situation. And we, we looked at that in, in the last couple of weeks when, when Saul and all of the Israelites were faced with Goliath, what came issuing out of their heart? It was fear and it was uh, they wanted to go hide, they wanted to run. But see, when Goliath came to David, what came issuing out of his heart? It was trust, it was faith, it was, it was, it was truth, amen, all right? <clears throat> For out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thy eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turt not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove. Everybody say remove. Remove, remove thy foot from evil. See, and, and this goes back to that picture in James where it says sin is conceived. It brings forth sin. Sin is finished. It brings forth death. And, and Paul said in Galatians, he says, don't, don't be deceived. God isn't mocked. Whatever you sow... That's what you're going to reap. You sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. You sow to the spirit, it's life everlasting. And you cannot habitually, because this is the nature of the soul. This is, I want you to remember those kids with those tarantulas in their hands, chomping on them like marshmallows. Because that is the, as weird as that is to you, it's exactly natural for them. Let me tell you it a different way. As weird as sin is for you, it's natural to the world. You can transform. Everybody say transform. Your soul has the ability to transform who you spend your time with, what you're reading, what you're looking at. You're not indifferent robots that can just, it has an impact on you. I went on a missions trip when I was uh, in college and one of the first things we did was um, uh, we had to drive and it took a long time. But one of the first things I noticed was when they have cereal in the morning, they use hot milk, not cold. And they don't have refrigeration there. And, and they say, this is, this is what they say about going on a missions trip. The first, uh, I, I, I forget exactly, like the first couple weeks, maybe two weeks you're going to love it because it's all new. You know, it's all romantic, you know. And after that, you're going to start to hate it because it's not what you like. It's not how you used to live. But the longer you stay there, it, and you reach past a certain point, you start to love it. You start to transform to it. You start to appreciate it. See? And it's the same thing with the Word of God. It's the same thing with His presence. It's the same thing with worship. It's the same thing with peace. I was sharing a couple of weeks ago about this, about one of my least favorite things I would do. I would come to the church and I'd pray. And I would, uh, and I would sit here and, and I would be praying, but my mind would be elsewhere. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> so I'd be praying. I'm here, you know, I'm not, I'm here praying and I'm thinking about what else I got to do. I'm here praying, but my mind is mowing the yard <laughs> My mind is fixing a problem. And the Holy Ghost would get on me. He says, you're here praying, but you're not actually here to hear anything. You're not here to listen. 
And so he would say, you need to quiet, tell your mind what to do. Quiet it down. I fought that battle in and out, in and out. I would try and fight my mind to be quiet. I would battle that thing back and forth. And it's only been recently for me where it's like, it's like the, the, the missionary that spent enough time in a foreign country where they start to love it, right? Because I used to hate sitting and trying to get quiet. It's one of my favorite things to do now. It's my soul has changed. I love to sit. I feel it even right now. I love to sit and feel and hear his, his voice in the midst of his peace. I used to hate it because my mind wanted to be in control all the time. My mind was used to working on things. But do you know if your mind is always working on things, his mind doesn't get to work on things. How are you going to hear supernatural things if it's only the natural things that you're thinking about? This, is, goes, this can be as small as a, a gnat in your life, and this can be as big as a calling in your life. Because you can run off and assume, but it would be better if you would sit and listen and transform your soul because you really can't do anything for God until you get on his page, not him get on yours. You really can't. It's about getting on his page. Well, I've tried times at worship at home. And I, I love music, okay? But what if, what if you don't play an instrument? Can you still worship? Yeah. The challenge you're going to face is, well, that's not, that's not my favorite song. I don't know how to play it. Well, that's not, uh, I, I, I don't have any music, so I can't worship. Yes, you can go home close the door and say I worship you father I praise you I give you all the glory and the honor it's not going to feel natural you stay in there until it does all right <clears throat> let's go to um, let's go to first Timothy and I think we'll end there We'll start in chapter 1. And let's look at verse... Uh, 18. Now there's twice, twice in 1 Timothy where Paul talks to Timothy about his calling. I mean, there might be other places, but these two places specifically. He tells him to watch over the prophecies and the words that were given him. Okay? Now look at this. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies. Everybody say prophecies. Now, these particular prophecies, these were words that had been given to Timothy for his calling. These were things specific to him, okay? This was about Timothy's call, and, and Paul is admonishing him war, good warfare, over these prophecies. 
Now, each and every one of you has a calling, just like Timothy done, does, all right? And I would venture to say most, if not all, have had some word of prophecy given you about what your calling is, right? Even if you haven't, I guarantee you, if you spend time with God, he'll talk to you about your callings. Even if nobody else does, that's how it grows up. Because somebody else can tell you maybe what you're called to do, but it's not good enough until the Holy Ghost reveals it to you. It's just not good enough, okay? <clears throat> this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou, by them, by what? By the prophecies. By them mightest war a good warfare. What is the warfare for? It is to bring those words that God has given him to come to pass. By the very words themselves, you war to bring them to pass. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Now let's skip ahead to the second time where he talks about this. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, we'll start here in verse 12. <clears throat> Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, exhortation to doctrine, Neglect not, everybody say neglect not. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Look at this verse 15. Meditate, everybody say meditate. That's a good word right there. Well, you know, this. Yeah. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly. Boy, if, there, if you like to underline, I'd underline that word. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt save both, or thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. <clears throat> this goes back to Proverbs where it says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. See, there are some prophecy, there is some prophecy that will never be changed. That, you know, like the book of Revelation, right? That's gonna be, God can look ahead and see. How do I put that? Uh, God foreknows what your life looks like from beginning to end. Do you know that? He sees when you're born and he sees when you die. He knows the end from the beginning. It's not a guess to him. That's so weird for us. I've been tripping on that ever since I was 12 trying to figure out how he does that. But the bottom line is that time is created. It's not eternal. And in the same way that we can the same way that you can look on your kids and kind of have a feel of what their reactions are going to be, he can look on, your, on you and know 
where your heart's going to be. He sees the end of your life and the potential. And he can look and know exactly what you're going to do and where you're going to end up. He knows that with everybody. And there is a kind of prophecy that's foreknowing. But there is also a kind of prophecy that doesn't call those things as though they are. It calls them as they could be. And there are times where God will give you a word and you may receive a word that says you're supposed to be an apostle. Maybe he gives you a word and says, I see you starting an orphanage and you just have a tremendous impact on children and there's gonna be so many lives that change. And God is inspiring a word that's yours, that you're supposed to war after. Everybody say war. war. That's your job to do that. And do you know God can give you a prophecy that is a true inspired prophecy of God direct from the throne it fits your calling and it's what you're supposed to do and you can maybe not fulfill it why why if how is that because you didn't war a warfare over it because you didn't fight to receive it because it's not the kind of prophecy like Revelation. It's the kind of prophecy where God is trying to call your heart higher. He's trying to call your, he's trying to call you out of who you used to be and into who you could be. He's trying to call you out of old habits, old behaviors, old systems of thought that have kept you locked in that says, well, I don't believe that about myself. I could never do something like that. He's trying to call you out of that. But if you don't war with it, you don't receive it. The best example of that is Israel in the Old Testament. He, get, he says, I have given you the land, right? I've given you the land. But they did not receive it. Was God a liar? No. They had in them an evil heart of unbelief because they chose to believe what they saw over what God had said. And the challenge is that we're supposed to be people that grow up, that takes our soul and with diligence and intentional stewardship, we put it, we put it in trust with God. We put it and we baptize it in peace. We make it surrender. We make it worship. Sometimes it doesn't want to. Guess what? Those are the best times because you're gonna see fruit. Oh, I don't feel like worshiping. Do it now because now you're starting to stretch where your soul has kept you in bondage before. I don't feel like praying. That's the best time to pray because your soul has kept you at that level for a long time. Fight it. Do you know what I'm saying? Push beyond those ceilings that say, no, we don't go past that. That's when it's the driest, sometimes you're accomplishing more than the times you feel stuff because your soul doesn't get to tell you who you are. God does. Your soul, it may perceive a situation one way, but God will change it and make it perceive it another way. To the Israelites, Goliath was a death sentence. To, the, to David, Goliath was promotion because of what was in their heart. Amen? Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is gonna be also. I feel a fullness in people's, they've had enough for today. <laughs> I'll just leave with this parting thought, okay? I just want to challenge you to take an inventory 
Take an inventory of the things God has told you. Take an inventory of your relationship with God. Look in the mirror a little bit. Okay, not naturally, spiritually. (laughs) And just see where are we at. Let God tell you where are we at. And he'll do it. And lovingly, with grace, strength, and truth, if you submit it to him, he'll take you from glory to glory. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for your grace to accompany your truth. I thank you for not just knowing what is right and wrong, but giving us the ability to do what is right and wrong. And we know that you don't make any decisions for us, but you give us the strength to make the right decisions. So Father, I ask you for your grace right now to fall in every receptive heart, that everything that they heard and everything that was preached, that you would take it and apply it, digest it, and, uh, and use it to fuel their walk with you in a new way. Father, I know there's so much potential in every life here. And I know you see the possibility. I thank you for c- continuing to call it forth and giving us grace to hear that calling so that we can grow with you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.